shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise, topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Let's get it. Tarek has her tails. I will take shake your tail feathers. It's tails. Look at that. You want that they ball? They have been shooketh. Uh, yes, please. Thank you. All right. So startup season, startup question. Would you rather have team A or team B in a startup draft? Team A, Joe Burrow and DK Metcalf. Or team B, Justin Jefferson and Daniel Dimes. All right. Joe Burrow and DK Metcalf versus Justin Jefferson and Daniel Dimes. So this is one of those rare uh, two roster slot dynasty leagues. Um, you only get two picks, right? Yeah. So at the, if, at the if start, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're only getting two picks, uh, I I will probably err on the side of Joe Burrow uh, with DK Metcalf rather than lock down the Justin Jefferson with the uh, Daniel Tencent piece. I just think locking down a prime quarterback asset uh, is a little bit more important than the elite wide receiver asset. Um, obviously Justin Jefferson is like a points difference maker, uh, over expectation versus almost the rest of the field. Um, but again, I I just think like it's a lot easier to find Daniel Jones than it is to find Joe Burrow, uh, when you're in most micro economies, uh, of a dynasty league. Well, you know what they say? It's, it's super easy to find another Justin Jefferson. Ain't that right, Trey? Yeah, I'll definitely take the head side of this coin. I feel pretty strongly uh, about the J. Jeff and the Daniel Jones side of this. I think, well, hang on a second. <laughs> Did I, am I fucking this up? You said no, Burrow no, that's and right. Metcalf. Uh-huh. You said yeah, Burrow, Burrow and, Metcalf and Metcalf versus J. Jeff and, Jeff and Daniel Dimes. Jones. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. On second thought, no, I agree with Tark. He's totally right. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. Well, Mitch, I guess you got to give us the bull case on the wide receiver in the first round there. Well, I thought this would be a, a fun one because philosophically, there, there are two different starts here where you take that skill position in the first round and then you wait on the quarterback. So I actually took these from our TLG4 draft here where uh, I, I took very similarly drafted players like in the first round and then the, the fourth round here. So yeah. I know that's that rare two two slot draft or whatever. But I think uh, philosophically here, I like the the Justin, the Justin Jefferson side because, again, as I mentioned, he's super super hard to replace and i know we're going to talk about um these guys here in a bit but that elite wide receiver one putting up qb1 numbers gives me a chance for for essentially three quarterbacks in my lineup points wise so you know i i've been preaching the uh the justin jefferson and the jamar chase first round picks for a while so Maybe eventually you'll be on my side, boys, but not today. If the if the opportunity cost is giving up the QB1 in Joe Burrow, I just don't know if that nets out, right? I mean, I'd have to kind of like do all the math there and figure out if like sacrificing Joe Burrow for Daniel Jones, including like the positional insecurity that Daniel Jones brings you versus Joe Burrow not having Joe Burrow in your QB one slot, having some other quarterback there versus, you know, Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf. Like, I feel like it's a little bit more complicated than what you are saying there that you'll just have three quarterbacks in your lineup. Like 
yeah, but you're passing up on one of them in order to take Justin Jefferson. Yeah, right? and I really so. don't think it's it's that complicated. I think Burrow and J. Jeff are like comparable values, and I think I much prefer DK Metcalf over Daniel Jones, given the choice. Uh, assuming the rest of the rosters are normal, average size, standard uh, scoring type situation. Um, average average length and girth. Indeed, yeah. Give me give me Metcalf over Danny Dimes, please and thank you. Um, all right, well, fuck me. <laughs> What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 88, double eights of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry Tibin Shuya. With me today, as always, Trey Cryan and Mitch Yates, the homies. Mitch, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? Hey, man. What's up, man? Just got back from Savannah, Georgia. One of my Ooh, nice. probably favorite getaway places here. Great food, great drinks. It's kind of like our sister city here in Charleston. But uh, but yeah, episode eighty-eight, the the CD Lamb episode. Hell yeah! So, the most famous Cowboys eighty-eight, obviously. That's, but, uh, wait, there was another one. Yeah. Quick shout out to uh, Big Boy, a native of Savannah, Georgia. We we love Outcast uh, on TLG. I'll speak for everybody that uh, Outcast oh, yeah, yeah. is 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 very important. But uh, Trey, hey man, what's up, man? There's like one percent of our listeners that'll get that reference. <laughs> and what's up, man, to both of you as well, and those uh, you know handful of listeners. Um, I, I have been to Savannah, Georgia before. I think it was maybe about five six years ago now, but. Uh, uh, one of the tour guides that we met while we were there was like uh, Savannah, Georgia. It's not as fun as New Orleans, but it's better than Charleston. Well, it's <laughs> got that New Orleans aspect where you can walk around, drink in hand. So you just can't beat it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's um, enjoyable. No, I'm, I'm I'm having a good June so far, guys. Uh, we actually went and did a, a very, uh, I guess, traditional uh, New England summer activity last week, and we went whale watching out in the bay, which oh, was uh, pretty nice. sick. Saw like a dozen humpback whales. It was it was actually extremely cool. My living that fucking is... nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for those who don't know, Mitch is deathly afraid of the ocean and of uh, sea animals, especially. Well, so, Mitch, aren't you afraid of uh, flying too? No, no, I'm especially like... when it's over the ocean. <laughs> yeah, no, flying over the ocean. Yeah, fuck all that. The double yeah. whammy right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, nonetheless, let's get into it. Um, in terms of any kind of introductory material right now, there's really no news. We're in OTAs, so a little bit of uh, silly season right now with camp narratives. Apparently, every rookie is uh, killing it. Um, Jameer Gibbs is the best <laughs> pass catching running back to ever step onto a football field, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but let's not dwell too long on that. Maybe we'll do a camp storylines segment at some point but keeping it with fantasy football i know both of you have been uh cheating on dynasty a little bit you know stepping outside of the dynasty landscape in the last month or so with best ball leagues and guillotine leagues and etc cetera, etc cetera. 
I want to bring it back to Dynasty, our our main squeeze here. Can you guys each give me something that drafting in these other formats has taught you or made you realize about the current Dynasty landscape? Trey, let's start with you. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, I have been doing some uh, puppy drafts on Underdog. I think I've got three uh, puppy submissions now, either completed or in progress. So it's been interesting kind of getting a more of a sense of that ADP on underdog because it is so important for those best ball drafts. And, and yeah, it is useful, I think for dynasty and sort of telling us where the market is at on these different players. It, I think it gives us a good sense of, am I projecting this guy right for 2023? Am I, you know, ahead of the market behind the market, what have you? Uh, there's definitely some guys who I'm higher on now, having gone through the underdog uh, puppy drafts, uh, guys like Christian Watson, who we'll uh, bring up here in a little bit. Uh, but besides that, I think um, you, you also have to take it with a grain of salt because the wide receivers are going off the board so crazy fast in those puppy drafts that I got to, OK, like, you know, not overweight myself on one position and kind of remember those relative positional values don't really translate one-to-one across these different formats. For sure. Gabe Davis was like a round two, three turn uh, in underdog drafts this time a year ago. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a different game there with like trying to catch lightning in a bottle and correlation, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, even in that situation, maybe uh, Gabe Davis went a little too high. But uh, Mitch, what about you? Uh, Other formats that have taught you something about what's going on in Dynasty right now? Well, yeah, I'll agree with Trey a lot of that there. The best ball keeps it fresh in my mind that, like, you know, uh, that bets win leagues, though. I, I think that for sure one thing that Dynasty tends to err away from is drafting the older players earlier. And so this is more obviously redraft focus. It's best ball. So, like, it just kind of gives you what Trey was saying, like, that read on the market and uh, the more you do, the more you have a feel for it. And one thing I also learned is that after years of hating DeAndre Swift, he's like my favorite player now in the fifth round. I'm getting him everywhere of these best ball drafts. So I think he's going to smash this year in Philly. So this is just kind of bolstering my confidence there. But the guillotine leagues have been like the most fun thing that I've done. I, I haven't done that before. This is the first time. And of course, now I'm in three of them. <laughs> um, I'm pretty much doing the opposite of this podcast. You know, I'm playing the short game here. Uh, one strategy I, I pulled was drafting Mahomes and, and Amon Ross St. Brown with my first two picks because I think the Chiefs-Lions is going to be like a barn burner week one. So, you know, some of these thoughts are like, all right, well, figure out the first couple weeks and pivot. But the comparison here is Dynasty, your rosters are always expanding and contracting and it's kind of made me more comfortable drafting these vets, like I mentioned, because I feel like I'm, I'm more comfortable drafting them because I'm more comfortable pivoting off of them if the wheels right. fall off. So it's just it's kind of ripped that bandaid off, I guess. Yeah, it's like if you have if if you can like sense the appetite in like a guillotine league or a best ball league for a veteran like Devonte Adams, or maybe that's a bad example, like. Stefan Diggs or something like that and you just don't feel that same kind of appetite in your dynasty leagues or you're trying to sell Diggs right now or something I mean what doing a best ball draft can signal to you as a manager is like hold Diggs yeah you know until you get into the season like wait until that thirst is at its apex because that's what best ball market is telling us right now etc so 
Yeah, interesting. I, I honestly have not gotten into the best ball streets this summer. It's the first summer that I haven't really dipped in yet. Um, but we're only halfway through June, so I'm I might go in uh, a little bit, you know, as more and more of the casuals get in there, uh, as I am myself. So let's uh, kick off this first half. And before we do, what are we doing today? We're gonna talk rankings. So we recently we've been very bad. Bad dynasty <laughs> analysts over the last year or so. We basically haven't maintained rankings for the last year, but um, we decided to put our thinking caps on and put together rankings for all the four major positions. And we're going to split this up into two shows. So today we're going to talk about the quarterback and the wide receiver rankings. And the next time we'll go over running backs and tight ends. We're just going to go through the wide receivers and then the quarterbacks and just go over trends in each position as well as guys who we think are undervalued or overvalued relative to the market. Um, Just an opportunity to dive deep into these position groups. So kicking off this first half, we'll start with the wide receivers. What is potentially, you know, thought of as the core of Dynasty Fantasy Football is these long horizon elite wide receivers. And the first thing I want to talk about is going straight to the top of the board. I I just want to have a quick discussion of who you have as your wide receiver one and why. Basically, everybody's going to have it between two players, um, but it varies, you know, between which player you choose there. So let's start with Mitch. Uh, Who is your wide receiver one and why is that? Sure. It's Justin Jefferson and it's close. It, It really is 1A and 1B. I had Chase higher this time of year last offseason. And uh, both are incredibly young superstars with miles of green grass in front of them. I lean J. Jeff, though, because despite not having Joe Burrow, Jefferson posted those QB1 numbers that I mentioned last year. Uh, He's number one in almost every advanced metric, over 1,800 yards, 1,600 rack. You know the deal. But the tidbit that uh, rings with me the most here is Justin Jefferson was number 35 in target accuracy, and Jamar Chase was number seven, and Jefferson still smashed. So I, I I don't think it really matters who's hucking the ball to Jefferson, and there's enough going on in each offs- offense to kind of offset. Like, you know, I'm not worried about Addison and Huck or T and Boyd or anything like that. So edge, J. Jeff, but it's close. Yeah, there's a couple things in there. Uh, so first off, I agree with you. I do think it's super, super close, but I agree. Uh, I have J. Jeff over Jamar Chase. I don't think this distinction really matters all that much in the grand scheme of things, but I'll tell you guys why anyway. Um, you know, very similar market share data from last year. Uh, both receivers actually put up exactly 29.3% uh, target share. Uh, J. Jeff had 37% air yard share, same as Jamar Chase, just by a uh, decimal point better. Uh, yards per route run was the difference maker. Uh, J. Jeff, m- much more efficient in that category at 279. Uh, Jamar Chase had a 2.18, uh, which I think was outside the top 12. So um, part of that is probably because Jamar Chase ran so many damn routes last year when he was on the field. But, um, you know, J. Jeff was just more efficient with those opportunities when he got them, uh, which I think matters. And, and you know, that's enough for me to uh, take J. Jeff over Chase given the opportunity. Uh, I think there's some other kind of ancillary things you could point to. I think Adam Thielen leaving and uh, them giving Hawkinson with a full offseason, getting the rookie Addison in there in Minnesota. I think that could help that offense out, um, you know, move all those pieces forward. There haven't really been any big changes happening in Cincinnati. It's largely the same team and scheme coming back. Uh, so I see that as 
uh, potentially a more positive signal for J. Jeff, too. One last thing. We talked about these underdog best ball drafts. J. Jeff currently the number one uh, ADP uh, player uh, on underdog at the moment. Yeah, a lot of really good info there, uh, obviously. I mean, I'll push back a little bit on like, I don't think this distinction necessarily matters. I think like what it it matters insofar as like the decision you make kind of colors like how you see the game and rankings more generally like it. Yes, it doesn't like if you have Chase or J. Jeff, obviously, like either one, maybe you can call them interchangeable. But the reasons why you may prefer one over the other, I think, says something about like who you are as a dynasty player. And I don't think there's a wrong answer, but I do have Jamar Chase. So I'm I'm departing from you to here. And my my take is like pretty simple. Jamar Chase, I think we've all basically said that him and Justin Jefferson are at least similar talents. Like maybe Justin Jefferson edges them out. He's got a better reception perception profile. He gets his targets a little bit further down the field, et cetera, et cetera. But I think they're similar talents, right? And we know Jamar Chase is a full year younger than Justin Jefferson, so that should give him a little bit of edge there. And then very simply, Jamar Chase, year one points per game, 17.9. Year two points per game, 20.2. Justin Jefferson, year one points per game, 17.1. And year two, 19.4. So Jamar Chase has been, you know, steadily, slightly beating Justin Jefferson, tailing him on a year lag, year over year in points per game. And then the obvious answer here is that he's tied to Burrow for the long term, likely for, you know, the bulk of his career and certainly his prime. So for those kind of three reasons, similar talent, better points per game uh, and tied to Joe Burrow. That's why I'd have Jamar Chase. Yeah. And I so a couple things there. So Burrow and that points per game number, I think that's tied to uh, Chase's touchdown rate. So I don't have the exact number ahead of me, but I or, but I know that Jamar Chase had almost a double digit touchdown rate last year compared to Jefferson, who was a little bit more league average. So to me, that sort of tells me that there's actually more upside that maybe we haven't seen with Justin Jefferson going into this Mm -hmm. season. uh, Whereas maybe we've seen that that um, peak already for Jamar Chase last year. I just have that. Why not both gif in my head right now? Like, you know, Tarek, you bring up good points and the wind can blow me either way. You know, I, I, I think that sometimes I feel Chase in the morning. Sometimes I I feel uh, Justin Jefferson, but it's it's just so damn close, dude. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I mean, again, I will say, like, I think the distinction matters, you know, like what are the things that you are valuing that makes you make one decision over the other? But uh, we'll let the listeners decide for themselves. All right, let's move on to the next topic here. And that goes to wide receiver three in the consensus. And that's CeeDee Lamb. I guess the question I have is, do you guys feel like CeeDee Lamb is closer to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson? Or is he like way closer to Garrett Wilson, AJ Brown, Chris Olave, et cetera? Yeah, I've got CeeDee Lamb in that uh, tier below those top two guys. I have him uh, right there with AJ Brown uh, before you you start including any of the rest of the wide receivers. So it's almost another tier gap after those two guys. Uh, I mean, he just doesn't to me present that same undoubtable upside that Jefferson and chase has uh, last year. CD lamb had 15.7 expected fantasy points per game. Uh, that was number eight in the league. Uh, so you know, Jeff and chase were uh, one and two, right? So they were clearly 
um, you know, a level above where Lamb was last year. Um, I mean, but looking at CeeDee Lamb and A.J. Brown, some of the like issues that those guys have is they're just in uh, offenses that don't really throw it all that much, right? So each of those guys only ran like 31 routes per game on average last year. Compared that to Chase and J.J. who both averaged more than 38 routes run per game. Oh, wow. Um, I also just, I like AJ Brown just a smidge more than CD lamb, uh, for a couple reasons. I just have more confidence in that Philly offense. Uh, AJ Brown is generally used downfield more. Uh, he had almost two yards more in average depth of target last year, which kind of keeps with the trend we had seen in previous seasons. And he had that better yards per route run number. AJ Brown was number two in the league with a 3.01 yards per route run. I think CD lamb, uh, still very respectable 2.62, uh, not as good as AJ Brown, not as good as Jamar Jefferson, slightly better than, uh, uh, <laughs> did I say Jamar Jefferson? You did. Justin yeah. Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, so anyway, just not quite as efficient as AJ Brown was uh, last year. Yeah. I I'm with you, Trey. I, I think this is less about me being low on lamb though, and more about me being really high on Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and AJ Brown. So why I see Lamb closer to those guys, I don't think that they're like worlds apart here from the from the top two. I mean, there's a distinct top two. We talked about it. Yeah. But then but then there's like this chunk here, this AJ Brown, C D Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Drake London. Like that that to me is like just a big, big chunk tier. And if you're going for like the top of that, of course, A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb are going to be the ones that have done it. But I think when we look at this next year, I, I think that this list is going to be pretty pretty similar. And I don't really know which one of these guys is going to be at the top of that. So so I do have Garrett Wilson and Alave. For as much as I love those guys, I do have them that next tier down versus Lamb and A.J. Brown. And, and part of that is just I would be very surprised if Lamb or Brown weren't top 10 wide receivers next year. Whereas that's not really my expectation with Wilson or Olave right now. Yeah, Trey, I see what you did with your ranks. You you have AJ Brown and CD Lamb in a separate tier. Yeah, like, and, and I agree with that. There, I think that there's that that top tier of Justin Jefferson, that second like mini tier of AJ Brown and CD Lamb, and then that clump there. But I do think that that clump is closer to uh, Lamb and Brown than I guess you guys do. Yeah, like that clump is closer to Lamb and Brown than Lamb and Brown are to Jefferson. And yeah, Jesus, yeah, is what yeah, saying. yeah. Um, I I'm not gonna add too much here. Like I love CD Lamb, obviously. I think he's a superstar, but I also think that last year was likely close to his ceiling, right? Between 17 and 18 points per game, even if like the offense opens up for him specifically a little bit more with Brandon cooks in the fold, Michael Gallup, one year removed, et cetera, et cetera. I also think the offense is going to run less plays this year, more likely uh, because of the departure of Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer sharing play calling duties there. Like that is, that's not a good recipe for offensive production. So uh, I agree with y'all here. I just wanted to add that additional context in as well. All right, we've mentioned them a few times. Next thing I want to talk about is the 2022 receiver class. And according to our ranks, the market ranks, ADP, et cetera, all of that signals that this was an all-time wide receiver draft. Three guys in the top 12 uh, in Olave, Wilson, and Drake London. And then you have Christian Watson in the top 18. Jahan Dotson coming in at keep trade cut wide receiver 21. 
Traylon Burks at 25, Jamison Williams, 27, George Pickens, 30. Like that's all really highly rated for a single class. So I kind of want to ask you guys and Trey, we'll start with you. What has been your strategy with 2022 receivers this off season? And do you think all of these guys clumped in the top 30, like being basically like 25% of the top 30? Is the market just like overweight on this group? Is there risk here? Like it, I just see all of that in one class and for whatever reason, it makes me nervous, but I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be. So I I do think for talking about this class, we do have to break it into the top tier, the big three versus like the other five names that you mentioned. So, so just thinking about the top three for, um, to get us started here, they're all great wide receivers, historic rookie years, 26% target share better across the board. Uh, But there's so much future value that are tied into these guys that honestly, if you've got them on a contending roster, I think you have to at least consider shopping them and seeing what you can get. So uh, for one of my contending rosters, I did move uh, Garrett Wilson in a deal which got me uh, Josh Allen. Uh, ended up <laughs> regretting that a little bit later. But, you know, hey, it's nice to have Josh Allen on your team. He's pretty good. Um, and then for on our, co-ma- our co-managed league, we moved Garrett Wilson to get back Tyreek Hill and Jonathan Taylor. Right. Um, right. So we uh, there was another player involved in there that we gave up, but essentially like we're moving into contention. And so that's just another example. There. Yeah. Another data point there. I also had a, a, a example where I am deciding to blow up a team and start rebuilding. So I was able to move Jalen Hurts for Chris Olave and like two additional first round picks. Uh, I thought that was fair value for a team that wasn't going to be competing in the next two years um, and help kick off that rebuild. So I think there's a case to buy and sell each of these guys based on uh, how competitive you are. I think the value is about right with keep trade cut for those top three. It's for those next five where I think the market is kind of off across the board. I think the market like keep trade cut especially is just higher on each of these guys than I am. The only one that I'm really close on and like aggressively targeting is Christian Watson out of those five names. I'm lower than keep trade cut. Um, on all five of them and we can get into some of those reasons why if you guys want yeah let's get into those reasons why except for Jahan Dotson because I want to talk about him later <laughs> but uh Mitch go ahead what what do you think about all this well uh I, I do agree with a lot of it I think Olave Wilson and uh and London are are just targets of mine in startups right now but Garrett Wilson I've traded for him with uh, a co-managed roster with John we traded uh, Chris Godwin, Tony Pollard, and a second for Garrett Wilson and a third. And uh, this roster is an absolute like trash can of a roster that John and I picked up and are are trying to tool it back together. So this is so, a rebuild yeah. move here. So that was Pollard, Godwin, and a pick for Garrett Wilson and a pick? Yeah. Yeah, that's a smash. Great, great, great job there. Thank you, thank you. But as far as their value, like I don't mind buying those three at cost right now. Olave is another big startup target of mine. But, you know, as I think we can move on to the other guys, though, um, like Burks, for example. Well, I, let, before we move on to the other guys, mm-hmm. let me just say I do think Drake London is like a smashing buy across all kinds of market insights, like whether it's ADP, keep trade cut trade calcs, et cetera, et cetera. Like I think Drake London is very, very enticing to me right now as like a low end wide receiver one who put up just as good of peripherals as Wilson and Olave last year, obviously like not in a great quarterback situation. So that's why he's cheaper. 
But again, like I think, yeah, I'll, I'll, I just wanted to throw that out there before we move on. Like London is is my biggest buy in the top. No, that's that's fine. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, last year we had uh, we we had some trade ideas for the listeners, though. What are you? He's a big buy. What do you? What are we thinking? We're going to try and move to get Drake London. Yeah, so I think I mentioned last episode, like if I'm holding Jalen Waddle, I'm trying to tra- trade Waddle for London and like a second and a third or something like that. Um, trying to, you know, just move off of. We talked about T um, Higgins. Even, even, yeah, T Higgins, I would sell for Drake London straight up. Like I would take London over Higgins. Um, I would, you know, even like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, if I can get something significant on top of them, I think all three of these receivers should be valued relatively the same. And I don't think that's the case right now for most people. For yeah, London specifically. Yeah, yeah, going back to the underdog uh, best ball marketplace right now, uh, uh, London is is really, really low in best mm-hmm. ball ADP. So I think that there is uh, you know, a portion of the market that sees this situation that he's in. Uh, the run first offense, the investment in Bijan Robinson, the fact that um, you know Kyle Pitts is you know also there to compete for targets, um, and you know there's not a whole lot of faith in Desmond Ritter. Yeah, there's some big question marks there. He's I think he's down to 24 on underdog ADP, which is actually behind uh, Christian Watson. Uh, so the, uh, one of those guys from the next yeah. tier down. So it's similarly, guys, I, I do want to talk about Traylon Burks though. Uh, same, same situation, quarterback kind of shaky here. And then we got like the, the new Copkins rumors swirling the, the thoughts of the Titans being terrible next year. And Tannehill is being viewed pretty, pretty negatively, but you know, last year Burke started off with the, the asthma thing and it was an absolute nightmare for at the quarterback. I don't know how any wide receiver would have done well with this sort of start. So I've been trying to take the two-tone blue colored glasses off and look at this objectively. And I really think that there's a chance that we just didn't see anything that Burks is about last year. And he's dropping in the ranks. He's right around like wide receiver. He's in like the 30s, I think. I, no, he's wide receiver 25 on keep 25 track. on keep track. He's yeah. in the well, he's in the 30s for you guys. Um, and I still have him at wide receiver 19, which is bullish. But I think, though, same same thing here. If we can buy low on Traylon Burks and get something back, like uh, the the Russian nesting doll style, if you will, then mm-hmm. I'm definitely into that. Yeah, I mean, so the the big issues with with Burks, uh, so seventeen and a half percent target share. That was actually the best of this next this group of five down here, and a pretty respectable yards per route run number one point nine six. Uh, so. Um, the only guy who beat him in that group was Christian Watson, who we know was ultra efficient when he got his those opportunities. Um, you know, of course, with Traylon Burks, the question is uh, who's going to be quarterbacking, right? If it's going to be a lot of Will Levis, is it going to be a lot of rookie, uh, you know, quarterback situation? Um, and is that offense even going to score touchdowns, right? Like, or is it just going to be the Derrick Henry show, uh, you know, three rushing uh, plays and a punt, you know, so. Um, I mean, you could say similar things about Jahan Dotson, right? Like he's looking at a Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett led offense, uh, which isn't super appealing either. So if you're a Dotson fan, I mean, yeah, he had some uh, positive moments. He spent a lot of time in the in the end zone last year. But um, I would say given the choice between the two, I have a slight preference for Traylon Burks over Dotson. Yeah, fair enough, Mitch, in terms of like Trey and I have him just outside of our top 30 receivers. I mean, for Burks, I think I still don't know if he's good. 
But what I do know, at least per Matt Harmon's charting and the reception perception profile, is if the Titans continue to use him like they did last year, like as an X receiver, then I think he's going to be bad. Well, they got like, a new offensive coordinator. Yeah. They need basically what I need to see is them move him into the slot because that's where he succeeded in college. And frankly, from like a success rate perspective, he was complete dog shit as an outside receiver last year. <laughs> um, it's those slot routes that he, you know, scored a lot of touchdowns and and ran a lot of yards from in college. And I think that's what we want him to be as a pro receiver. And as long as the Titans realize that and they fix that, I feel like he'll he'll come up my ranks a little bit right now. It's just like what I've I I, I like Burks from like a prospect profile perspective. Yards per out run was very impressive, as Trey said, but I just I'm still not sure if he's good. Um, so I'm kind of like like a little bit below consensus on him. But I do have him in a few leagues like I'm willing to fuck around and find out. But it has to be at like below market value for me to acquire. You know who we really don't know is good is Jamison Williams, man. I mean, yeah, one catch. The market believes like the markets. The market's got him at 27 on keep trade cut. Uh, I've got him as my uh, wide receiver 36. So I'm significantly lower. Uh, I get it. Like it's a a nice situation in Detroit now, uh, seemingly. But this is all projection at this point. And. I don't know how you're picking him over any of those first round rookie receivers that we are uh, that we just got in this new rookie class. All three of us at wide receiver 36 for Jamison Williams, by the way. Yeah, nice. Well, I I've been buying JMO on every rebuilder. I, I know it's a gamble, but I, so is he, right? But uh, no, he yeah he does he does he, like he to likes gamble. to gamble. Uh, but yeah, he's he's laying an egg for the first six weeks guaranteed, so that's great for a rebuilder. But yeah, I, if it, I remember saying things like if it weren't for or hearing things like if it weren't for his ACL, he would have been potentially the number one wide receiver taken in this all time right. historic class. So like there's a possibility that the man just hasn't got a chance to show us what he's all about or he or he's just bad and a, a bust. But like. I really think that he's still got a lot of potential, and so like if I don't care about this season, like if I'm if I'm going to lose this year, I don't see why not when it comes to investing in a JMO here. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for the last time we saw him when we were confident that he was healthy. It's when he was at Alabama, and he had like a truly incredible season. Like he was very good in that junior season at Alabama. So I hear that, um, but you know. I, I think like being a little bit overconfident, like getting on the field uh, in the back half of the year and only being able to draw one catch uh, seems like an issue, even if you are coming off an ACL tear. That's yeah, agreed. All right. Uh, fine. Uh, before we move on to this next wide receiver topic, I just want to ask y'all's opinion on George Pickens, because there's a lot of George Pickens truthers out there. There's a lot of George Pickens haters out there. He's kind of a divisive player. Um, so, Wanted to hear how y'all feel about him. Currently on Keep Trade Cut, he is wide receiver 29. So oh, still no, inside no, no. the top 30. No, so, too high. So target share 15.3%, yards per route run 1.54. Uh, neither one of those numbers are particularly great. Uh, but if you dig a little bit deeper, his average depth of target last year was 15.6 yards, uh, which was number three in the league. 
So that offense, that Matt Canada offense, basically saw George Pickens as like a downfield uh, chuck it and, you know, hopefully he jumps up and makes the catch type of player, which honestly, I don't really love that for him. I think like for him to really succeed at the next level, he's going to need to see more of those uh, medium to underneath routes and and have the opportunity to, you know, make some yards after the catch, kind of Debo Samuel style. Uh, if they just use him as a downfield uh, chuck it type uh, weapon, then I think that kind of caps his long-term value. Uh, so I don't love that the Steelers brought back Matt Canada, you know, A, and B, I'm not sure they really know uh, what kind of weapon they've got with George Pickens and if they're really going to get the most out of him. And the other thing with George Pickens is that he ran 91% of the routes last year. So it was like from week one, he was a full-time player. He was on the field, yeah. So so, you know, that kind of explains the less than stellar yards per route run. Um, But, uh, you know, he's he's definitely got to take a step forward for me to to consider him, you know, uh, a buy. Basically, I have only bought him in one league, and that was just because... I like paid two seconds for him. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get George Pickens in one league at cost and see what happens. Otherwise, I'm pretty much avoiding. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you guys. Like, I like the player. I just don't like the cost. And like at this current state, he's not going to find his way on too many of my rosters. But we'll see. I'm not even that far behind the market on him, to be honest. I just I have a lot of questions about, uh, you know, how what does success look like for him in that offense? He's just at yeah. the bottom of that tier, though, when it, like in this clump of guys. And I feel like every startup that I've been in, it's just he's going too high. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Let's move on to this next topic here with our wide receiver rankings. And there's kind of this tier that's a mix of older mega producers versus young studs with target competition. So I kind of want to ask on a high level Trey, how do you sort out this neighborhood uh, between like wide receiver 10 and 16 of Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Jackson Smith, and Jigba? Like it's basically a tier where there's two very distinct types of players there. Right, right. Yeah, you've got the old, the vets who are, you know, elite producers. Then you've got these uh, young guys who we know are good, but maybe we have questions about their upside compared to the you know the dudes in the top 10. Uh so the number one name on this list for me is Tyreek Hill. Uh he's actually the wide receiver 1 in my projections for this year. Uh going back to last year he had 17.1 expected fantasy points per game which was uh wide receiver 6 and that was with all of the health issues around Tua. I expect that Tua is going to be on the field more this year than he was last year. Tyreek Hill was first in yards per route run with 3.38 uh, second in target share, fourth in air yard share. So really, really solid year. And I think he can build on that uh, second year in that offense. So he's all the way up at wide receiver seven for me. And then I honestly, I prefer the old vets, the Diggs, Cup, and Adams over those younger, you know, high floor, maybe limited upside guys like Waddle, Higgins, Smith, and and uh, Smith and Jigba. But obviously this is a contender versus a rebuilder type situation I am totally fine with them all in the same tier. And if you think for your team, you can be more competitive this year than take cup. Uh, but if not, then prioritize the future and get Smith or Smith and Jigba. Um, that's fine with me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, I do think they all belong in that same value tier. I just prefer those guys who I think probably the market is a little bit lower right now because we're in the off season. But once, you know, we're back to playing football, the market's going to come around on Cup and Adams again, and we'll, you know, see them as the elite producers that they still are. Now, one thing I noticed, though, and obviously the difference here is old guy and young guy. But when I was redoing these ranks, I, I noticed that the old guys, when they fall, they just they, they fall really, really far. And right. so when when we're talking about this group, I immediately have Devonte at or I'm sorry, uh, Devonta Smith and T Higgins above the rest uh, because they're great players on great offenses. And then like the guys like Reek Cup and Diggs and Tay Adams, those are the old guys that are going higher in redraft, which I also agree with. And I like the way you put it, like they, they are all in the same tier. It's just more of a philosophical difference at this point. Like I want to go the young guys because I like to play for this year and for next year. And I think that maybe if we look at these ranks next year, uh, like Reek and whatnot are going to be further down that list. But Jackson Smith and Jigba, like it's really hard to put him ahead of, of any of these guys in a uh, startup for me, at least. Yeah. And and just for the record, for out of the old guys, I prefer Diggs over Cooper Cup over Devontae Adams. I think there's a lot of question marks with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, the quarterback situation there in Vegas. Uh, for these younger guys, I've got it Waddle, then Higgins, then Devontae Smith, and then, yeah, the rookie Smith and Jigba, um, who's my wide receiver 16. I, I do want to point out, like, I recognize that having Devontae Adams over Waddle or Higgins is like very much against the market. Uh, but I do think, you know, one is going to help win you championships and the other is presents maybe more of a better floor, a long term store of value, uh, future value going forward. Yeah, um, I think we're pretty much all on the same page here. I, I definitely have Tyreek Hill the highest among all of these players. It looks like Mitch has T Higgins over Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, it's that's pretty much a classic debate between production and, and future value, although T Higgins should give you pretty good production in the near term. Um, I am actually the highest on Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, I think I just kind of decided to put him right in the smack middle of this tier of about eight players or so. Um, and yeah, like have him above Stefan Diggs and Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, but behind Tyreek Hill and, and Devontae Smith and T Higgins, essentially. Just because I, I, I want to be as in as possible on Jackson Smith and Jigba being the next Justin Jefferson, the next Garrett Wilson, the next Chris Olave, the next et cetera, Cooper Cup. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, I, I feel like Jackson Smith and Jigba is kind of an interesting player to talk about there. And on that note, let's move on to 2023 rookies and how they shook out in our ranks. So, Mitch, go over like where these players fell in for you for that 2023 class. All right, so Jackson Smith and Jigba jumps in there at uh, wide receiver 14 for me. And then after that, um, just to try to frame this for you guys, I got Traylon Burks at 19, who was uh, like a what top five pick last year. Yeah. And then after that, I have uh, Quinton Johnston and Addison at 20 and 21. And so uh, let's see, then I got Christian Watson at 22 who was like a late first round pick and then flowers mingo and downs uh 26 41 and 45 so they all kind of fall in after uh you know after those guys 
Yeah. And okay. So, so you you have a big tear break between yeah. Zay Flowers and Jonathan Mingo, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Trey, what about you? Yeah. So I, I am the lowest in our linear rankings here on JSN. I've got him at wide receiver sixteen. Um, you know, I I do love the uh, the rookie profile for him, but I just couldn't get him up any higher in my rankings over any of these guys ahead of him. Um, going down to those other first round receivers for this year. Uh, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers. I don't have any daylight between those guys. I've got them at 24, 25, 26. Uh, I've got an, ahead of them uh, Marquise Brown at 21, Brandon Ayuk at 22, and Christian Watson at 23. Uh, and then behind those rookies, I've got some older risky players that I'm high on, DeAndre Hopkins and Calvin Ridley. Uh, my next highest rated rookie wide receiver, there is a gap for me as well. I've got Marvin Mims down at wide receiver 40, uh, right behind Keenan Allen and Rashad Bateman, uh, who I'm still believing in apparently. Okay. Uh, so Jackson Smith and Jigba seems to be a little bit on his own for all three of us. So we've got him all, you know, in the top 16 and then there's a little bit of a tear break, uh, for all three of us, when we get to Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, and Zay Flowers, I've got Jordan Addison at 19, followed by Quentin Johnston at 20, and then a little bit of a tear break between them and Zay Flowers at 29. So Trey, you're the only one who doesn't see any daylight between Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnston plus Jordan Addison. So can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I obviously they all went right next to each other in the actual draft, uh, Pre, going back to our pre-NFL draft process, uh, there was analysts uh, that we were citing and referencing that were calling Zay Flowers uh, you know, the wide receiver two in this class. I think there's reason to believe in him and, and believe in that profile. I love that he got that first round draft capital. Um, I'm just, I, I don't want to take that risk on Addison or Johnson versus some of these other names that I have ahead of him. Uh, so you know, putting them all right next to each other in my ranks, it felt like the right move. Uh, it kind of separating these uh, these wide receivers who are vets who I'm higher on like Brown and Ayuk uh, from you know that next tier down where there's a lot more question marks. Yeah, and I'll just go ahead and say for the listeners, I am a fraud uh, because I was easily the highest on Zay Flowers of the three of us uh, going into the rookie process, and then after the draft, now I am the lowest <laughs> on Zay Flowers. I have him at 29, um, and that is despite. After the draft, me being very vocal about like, oh, anybody who's fading Zay Flowers because of his offensive situation, go by, go by. And I still stand by that. But <laughs> again, maybe I'm I'm still just a little bit of a coward because well, I'm still well, taking guys like Terry McLaurin, right. Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore over him. Yeah. And those were the names that stood out to me, too. I think we all are in agreement on DJ Moore, but Deontay Johnson, and Terry McLaurin are much further down my ranks. And I think Mitch, too, compared to yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, demonstrably very good NFL players. Uh, so and and with like definitely more clear target upside than Zay Flowers. So that's where I'm drawing the distinction there. And then I have Zay Flowers like ahead of some of the 22 guys in Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks. But yeah, again, I I'm like self conscious about this pick because or this position that I have Zay Flowers in. So he's probably a buy uh, from me. You in should one of you my should move him up. Yeah, I, I should probably move him up. Um, and then, okay, after those top four guys, uh, basically once we get to wide receiver 40-ish is when we get the next tier of receivers, and that's Mims, Mingo, Jaden Reed. Rasheed Rice, you know, could potentially be argued in that position as well just because his upside with um, with Patrick Mahomes there. 
Um, and then, you know, it kind of breaks again for Jalen Hyatt. Does it? A couple of no, I'm just guys. kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah. Let me, before we move off this tier, because I don't want to just like lump wide receiver 40 to 60 together. Who is the person in this tier outside of the top four receivers that you feel like has the best chance of vaulting into the top 25 by like week 10? Uh, I would say uh, maybe Jonathan Mingo. And I, okay. I think that, you know, he went higher than we thought he would. And Bryce Young, there's a potential that this guy is actually pretty good. And if he has good chemistry with Mingo, I think that there's a very real possibility that he has the the easiest chance to to pop up other than like Rasheed Rice because Mahomes. Yeah, I think yeah. Rasheed Rice is the obvious answer because of the situation. Right. Uh, you know, I think uh, as soon as he scores his first touchdown in Kansas City, he's going to jump up 10 spots in the, and keep trade cut. Uh, Jaden Reed is the other name that stands out to me. I think that Jordan Love offense could be better than people think. Uh, and Jaden Reed could step in as the wide receiver two on day one, right next to Christian Watson, and kind of command a starting role and, and jump up quite a bit as well. I don't, I don't, I mean, even though Mims is the highest in my ranks, I don't know that he's going to have a great opportunity to jump up early with uh, guys like Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, presumably ahead of him on the depth chart. And uh, I'm not as high on Mingo as you are, Mitch, just because of the rookie quarterback situation. Uh, I would think that is probably going to be a little bit of a struggle for the first half of the year, at least for Mingo. Hey, he's, he gave us 10 weeks on that question, though. So, you know, <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe he'll, he'll turn it up a notch in the second half there. <laughs> yeah, first half plus two. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave you 10 weeks, exactly. Uh, all right, let's zoom through these last two kind of uh, buy and sell segments here. So first thing, Mitch, what's an overpriced wide receiver in the top 24 that you're trying to get off of? I've seen Calvin Ridley go in the top 24 receivers, and I, I just Whoa. I just don't like it. I, uh, you know, You've seen him go in the top 24. In recent what? startups, uh, that's like... All right. If, if, uh, he's tiptoeing so on that line. He's right around Mitch's, like 30. Mitch's definition of market value is, I've okay. seen him go in the top 24. In recent startups. <laughs> wide, receiver, wide receiver 32 on keep trade cuts. 32. So you're only We're off not, by like... Eight spots here. So what I what I really wrote down though is I really like the top twenty four receivers. I'm actually pretty comfortable paying at cost for any of them. I I had a really hard time like picking out a guy that I thought was like just way overpriced here. I think the top twenty four is just good good players. I don't start to have problems until right around like wide receiver. 32, Calvin Ridley, uh, right around wide receiver 29, George Pickens. Like, All right. that's that's about the price I don't like, but I don't know. Well, I've got two names then uh, since Mitch gave us zero. Uh, <laughs> I've got uh, Jordan Addison at wide receiver 17. I think that's way too high. Uh, I've got him seven spots lower at 24. Uh, I would take uh, Devontae Adams over Addison for a contender, obviously. Uh, for a rebuilder, give me Christian Watson or Brandon Ayuk. Uh, and then for non-rookies, uh, going back to last, last week's episode, I completely agree with Tarek's uh, take on Jalen Waddle. I think wide receiver six is way too high for Waddle. I've got him seven spots lower as well. Uh, give me Tyreek Hill or Amon Ross St. Brown for contending rosters and give me Alave or Drake London uh, for rebuilders over Waddle. Yeah, uh, 
So overpriced asset for me, I mentioned him earlier that I wanted to talk about him, and that's Jahan Dotson. He's at wide receiver 21. I have him at wide receiver 30. Uh, I think Jahan Dotson, like Trey said, he found himself in the end zone last year a lot, uh, but in terms of yards per route run, uh, a lot to be desired there at 1.5. And yeah, I mean, he was obviously a first-round receiver, who made some spectacular catches. So he kind of continued that from his rookie profile, but I don't think he's done enough yet on a per route basis or in terms of total stats for us to be really confident that he's going to be a serial producer uh, at the wide receiver position to the point where we should value him inside the top 24. Um, So moving on to bargains outside of the top 24 that you like, um mitch why don't you get us started again with these all right so outside of the top 24 i got uh justin jefferson i think he's a great value. no i I, look i i like christian maybe you've heard of him (laughs) i like christian kirk uh the opposite ridley here uh last year had 14.2 points per game uh wide receiver 18 in points per game on his first year with uh with trevor lawrence and i think that 23 percent target share is probably going to stay around the same it's not like not great, but if if Ridley approaches the same target share, I, I still think Kirk's the the guy I prefer here. So uh, where is he? He's uh, keep trade cut twenty six. I I think that he belongs in that top twenty four. And uh, let's see, uh, JMO reasons mentioned earlier, but the guy Wait, cri- cri- Christian Kirk is wide receiver thirty four on keep trade cut. Yeah, so or, not yeah twenty six. 30, wait, you said 34? Yeah. So 34. Yeah, he's 34. So even more of a bargain yeah, than there you, go. you originally thought. I think I just wrote that down wrong. But Kadarius Tony is a guy that I am much higher on than it seems the market and you guys. Wide receiver 41 on keep trade cut. I have him at 35, and you guys have him at 51 and 56. So <laughs> <laughs> I think here uh, we got a, a, a bargain of the potential number one guy here. Kadarius Tony gets it together, and he goes to the moon with uh, Patrick Mahomes. So that's my my bargain. Yeah, Kadarius Tony has had like one good game as a professional, and <laughs> otherwise, like didn't even play in the Super Bowl. Like I don't I don't know why we think he could potentially be the wide receiver one. In Kansas City, like he just he he kind of sucks. Like he balled out after the catch against the Cowboys. Otherwise, like he's been trash his whole career. Yes. So yes, we'll see. It's big. Guess we'll see. <laughs> I just yeah, I don't. I mean, and the other thing is, I'm gonna fight you here because my number one bargain is actually Calvin Ridley. <laughs> I have him at Ooh, uh, nice. wide res- I have him wide receiver 28, uh, which is only four spots ahead of uh, consensus at wide receiver 32. Wait, I wrote that down wrong. I definitely have him higher. Yeah, you've got him at 21. Uh, yeah, I have. Sorry. I, I have, have him Calvin at 28. Oh, God, yeah, I range. have Calvin Ridley at wide receiver 21. Uh, so that's 11 spots ahead of keep trade cut rankings. Um, I think like versus Christian Kirk, he Kirk had his best season last year at that 23% target share level. Uh, I think Calvin Ridley like completely eats his lunch because um, he plays on the he like has shown the like 25 plus percent target share upside in his career. Um, he's a better prospect than Kirk ever was. Um, they, you know, went and got him because they felt they needed, you know, a better receiver on their roster. So I just, I, I, and also I've never been a huge believer in Kirk's talent. Whereas I think Ridley's like a stone cold baller. Um, although he does like to place parlays. 
And he hasn't played in two years, and that just doesn't bother you. No, it doesn't. I mean, Kirk's been playing, and he's been like fine. He was pretty good yeah. last year. Yeah, uh, I don't want to understand uh, Captain Kirk, but um, I, I'm going to go back to uh, the <laughs> the horse that um, I've uh, I've kicked a bunch over the years. But uh, Amari Cooper is one of my biggest values right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a great year last year: uh, 26% target share, 38% air yards, 2.3 yards per route run in Cleveland as the wide receiver one. I do think Deshaun Watson could take a step forward this year, and that could really make uh, Cooper a value. Uh, right now, he's going at uh, wide receiver 37 on keep trade cut. I think he, you could argue he belongs in the top 20, given what we saw last season. Yeah, I got him at wide receiver 26 as well with you there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a couple other names I could shout out. I think Marquise Hollywood Brown is a little bit of a bargain. Obviously, there's a lot of situational concerns, but... At wide receiver 35, you're not paying all that much. And yeah, I have Marquise Brown 10 spots ahead. Yeah. In my wide receiver ranks at wide receiver 25. So yeah. Agree. Right there with you. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is the other name. Uh, currently not on an NFL roster, but I think we saw enough last year that even if he ends up on a team where, you know, maybe it's not a great situation, this wide receiver 35 price point on keep trade cut is a good value there as well. I got a, I got a deep cut here. Uh, Curtis Samuel, who is number 81 on keep trade cut, miraculously somehow put up 10.31 points a game last year. And uh, yeah, he's basically free. You know what they say about 10.3 points per game is it will do absolutely nothing for you in your dynasty. (laughs) It'll it'll never crack your starting roster. (laughs) Wide receiver 34. That's right. That's right. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, wide receiver yeah, 81, it. man. What? You guys just stopped drafting after you draft half your team? No, 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 no. No, no. That's, actually, that's, no. Philosophically, I, philosophically, that player doesn't belong on my roster because that player deserves to be a high upside rookie uh, or a different position entirely. So, yeah, I, I those 10 wide receiver points per game, those belong on somebody else's roster like yours, Mitch. Not perfect. All right, guys. Uh we are at an hour here for the podcast. I'm going to make uh, uh, an executive decision and call it. I think basically going through these wide receiver rankings makes me feel that we have enough content here to do four separate episodes just on rankings um, and dive a little bit deeper. Um, so rather than rush through the quarterback portion and try to do it in under 30 minutes, I kind of want to give us a full hour next next episode. So let's go ahead and call it here. Um, I know we told you in the beginning of the episode that we were going to do both wide receivers and quarterbacks. So sincere apologies uh, for calling it early. But, um, you know, we as we do, we went long uh, and I just don't want to go extra long and girthy. You know, look at us. Is that okay? Look at us just making it up as we go. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Mitch, are you okay? Oh, I'm I'm good, man. All right. All right. All right. We'll, We'll call it there. Uh, appreciate you guys listening to episode 88 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. We'll see y'all next time when we'll talk about the quarterbacks. Goodbye. 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 No, I ain't